God has called us not only to be hearers of the word, but doers. He has called us not only to wish well to others, but to do well to others. He has commanded us to take the gifts that he has given us to reap a harvest. God requires not show, but action. We are to do all things for the glory of God. Because we have been redeemed, this is our calling. Kingdom Commerce exists to equip and empower Christian entrepreneurs to succeed in the marketplace by providing invaluable tools and resources that align with our biblical foundation. To give you the practices and principles to relentlessly chase gospel impact with godly ambition. This is Kingdom Commerce. And today's episode starts now. <laughs> Proverbs 14.23 All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Ooh. This is the Kingdom Commerce, where we do commerce the kingdom way. Wep- welcome to episode three. We're excited to get going. My name is Cooper Peterson. I am one of your hosts, joined by Luke Reichbost, co-host, Scott Moffat, sponsor, and Joe Abraham, sponsor. And we're excited to dive into this episode where we talk about what it takes to be an entrepreneur and uh, how do you know if you are an entrepreneur. So let's dive, let's dive right in to this episode. This is going to be loaded. I can't <laughs> wait. So this is kind of a, a question that, uh, I don't know, maybe you can get some fiery responses, but can everyone and anyone be an entrepreneur and should anyone or everyone be an entrepreneur? I'll let you kick it off, Joe. I'll let you well, kick it off. Well, the, the part, the answer to two is very easy. No. Should everyone be an entrepreneur? In the way you and I would define entrepreneur, start a business, you know, quit your job kind of stuff. The answer is no. Can anyone be an entrepreneur? Absolutely, yes, in my opinion, and based on some research I got to do. So let's kick it off with that. Yeah, so I, I just to piggyback that a little bit, I think, um, and we'll have further discussions about this as in, in future episodes, but kind of the, the solopreneur or the, you know, uh, the co-founder. And so I think there's different skill sets that we possess, right? So um, in my experience, there's usually a visionary, right? And visionary is something that I think is, um, it's symbiotic with all entrepreneurs. I think all entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs are visionaries to a degree where I know I struggle and I know a lot of other successful entrepreneurs struggle are in the details, um, in kind of the reverse engineering, right? So you see this forest, um, but I really need to focus on the tree and it's hard for me because I get excited about the forest, right? I get really excited about Mm -hmm. what, what can come. So, you know, that, that'll lead into the discussions about, you know, building a team or people who compliment you that, you know, kind of operations or detail oriented administrative and people that can come alongside you. Um, so I, I, I believe that anyone absolutely can. I agree with Joe on that. Should, yeah, I, I agree with Joe on that as well. I don't think everyone should. Um, without given certain steps. Correct, taken, and criteria. Criteria, right? Certain right? I think they can get there. Check. I think they can get there. Mm-hmm. I think everybody can get there um, if they take the right steps. But, you know, if, if you're not... If you haven't taken those steps and some of those God-given gifts aren't natural to you, they take some uh, um, procurement, some some refinement before Mm. I think they're really ready. Mm. Would you say that, would you say that a lot of the entrepreneurial skills can be learned or do you think it takes a unique individual um, that also takes that, the steps to learn? Like can anyone, does it take a certain personality to become an entrepreneur, can they just read a textbook and understand what it means and go off and do it? Textbook, no. 
um, I, I believe that there's a, a big element of um, experience, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be someone's individual experience. I mean, you know, some people you'll hear stories and, and they're great stories when they because of the ending where, you know, they, they bang their head against a wall so many times or they made so many mistakes and failures. And that's what taught them these lessons. Um, I, I don't believe that a pure textbook can teach you everything that or prepare you. And I, I don't know that you can ever really be fully prepared. You know, there's so many things that come up day in and day out. You know, like I, we talked about in a previous episode, you know, you have a roadmap, but you have to be able to pivot and adjust as new information becomes available, as circumstances change, you have to be able to be, be nimble. I mean, there's a reason why during the pandemic, a lot of the large companies, the 800 pound gorillas, um, they, they fell to the wayside um, and they really were hurt uh, significantly and, and struggled because there's so many layers of bureaucracy and red tape in these large corporations that making a decision or pivoting is not as simple as you know, four guys sitting at a table saying, let's do this, right? It's, there, there's a lot of um, layers that you have to get through. Smaller companies, entrepreneurs are, are able to say, okay, this is a change, right? I mean, you saw it constantly where, where companies that were selling into retail or, you know, they found a way and, and they really emphasized their e-commerce business um, and, and they were able to make that shift with, you know, a snap of a finger and, and do it pretty instantaneously. So I think actually during the pandemic, um, entrepreneurs and smaller business had a leg up, but just being able to be nimble, um, you know, it's, it, it's hard to teach that. Right. I mean, a, t a textbook can tell you, but until you're living it, I feel like that real world application is, is really important. Let's yeah. make this real. Right. So you both work with entrepreneurs all the time. What are the characteristics you see in the successful ones when you're working with your portfolio partners and you're consulting entrepreneurs? What are the characteristics that you're like this guy? I know this guy's going to go far and that's why we're going to partner with him. But yours have already achieved success. So why don't we start with yours? But it goes back to what you said. Visionary. There has to be a vision, and there, the vision inside them has to be compelling enough to drive them to action. Because, again, we can all have visions. You, in our break, you were talking about buddies who come up to you and go, I have this idea, and like two days later, it's poof, gone, right? Okay, so you had a vision for about six seconds, and it wasn't compelling enough to activate what's called entrepreneurial behavior, right? So vision plus the activation of the behavior that causes you to go take massive and immediate action. So when I meet entrepreneurs who have a clear vision and they have this high drive, high motivation to, to, to go make something happen, and that shows in a sustained manner, that's why if you guys watch Shark Tank and other shows, when these people come up with great product and then the sharks ask, well, tell me what you've accomplished in the last year, tell me your revenues for the last year or two, and they're like, mm, right? You can see them all turn off mm -hmm. because all the sharks are looking for is not just the big idea, but the grit and persistence to make it, turn it into revenue and jump through all the hoops to make it successful. So I think when I, s it sometimes spidey sense tells you, oh, this person's got it, yeah. but numbers are pretty powerful too, that they're actually proving it out, they're grinding it out, they're doing the work. That's a good sign. And mm -hmm. the numbers, to that point, a great point, is it, the numbers when they ask that question, you know, it's the most common question, first question is, what are your sales, what are your numbers? Clearly, there's an element of that that they're trying to understand the valuation, right? They want to try to understand, okay, well, you're asking for 250000 for X amount of percent. But I think more so what they're looking to understand is, is there a market fit? 
right? Mm-hmm. Because if if someone's already achieved and, and kind of you know cracked the code, um, you know it, it limits the amount of upside, and that's why to to your point as well, I I really do care as much sometimes more about the person that I'm that we're considering partnering with as I do the project itself you know with our process because of, of idea path that we use at ideal strategic partners it's it's data driven and it's very disciplined so making products technologies services better it really is the easy part and it's not because we're smarter than the founder or anyone else it's because everything that we do is data driven right so it's we're, we're actually figuring out who our target market is what they're going to be most receptive to where they make their engagement or purchasing decisions so once you have that information it's your compass it guides everything that you do so making the finding the right product market fit you know that that's the easy part pivoting people um, as my wife will attest to, is, is not always the, the easiest thing, right? It, it, and so finding people who, again, are open-minded, who are coachable, um, you know, they're, they're willing to acknowledge that they don't know what they don't know um, I, is really important and having that learning agility, you know, being able to be a sponge, um, I, I think is really important. So then as a college student currently, for Cooper and myself, along with the rest of our listeners who may be working a full-time job, supporting a family. Maybe you're about to start college. Maybe you're currently finishing up grad school. I don't know. What might be some practical steps that the two of you have seen, but also put into practice yourselves in your business, Scott, with uh, being an advisor as well, Joe, for anyone to really be like, okay, I can be this and I can learn to be an entrepreneur and I can figure this out and I can do it in these ways. Can I start with a little word of encouragement to everyone listening? Um, with a little bit of a biblical foundation so that everyone can discern for themselves where they, whether or not it's time to jump and what does that look like at a practical level. Maybe you could be thinking about the practical stuff while I set this up. I would encourage all of you in any Bible reading you're doing is to start looking at every aspect of the Bible through an entrepreneurial lens. It'll blow your mind. From the creation story to the cross, it's all entrepreneurial behavior. It, so, so, Researchers have taken entrepreneurial behavior and say, okay, what makes an entrepreneur? How do I know Cooper is an entrepreneur? How do I know Luke is an entrepreneur? So they've studied the behavior that entrepreneurs display, and there's basically 14 different traits. Idea generation, passion, problem solving, right? There's traits the entrepreneur displays. If you look up those uh, 14 traits, and maybe we'll put it on our Instagram feed or something so everyone can quickly find it. Go follow, by the way, yep, Kingdom Commerce. Do. You'll find that every one of us use those traits every day. If a best friend called you and said, man, I'm broke, I need 50 bucks to pay for something, and you're like, I don't have the 50 bucks, but like, it's my friend, I'll figure it out. All the behaviors that kick in to go solve for it, make a phone call, hand out flyers, whatever it is, is entrepreneurial behavior. It's just that some people use that when that big idea comes and they display those traits to go start a business, right? But entrepreneurial behavior is of God, I believe. Because you see it in his own imprint, in how he designed, how he created, how he found problems like sin and came up with a solution. It's the same behavior that we get to deploy in going problem, solution. That's all entrepreneurship is. Find a problem, solve it, right? right? And everything in between that is just a bunch of mechanics and passion and blood, sweat, and tears. So with that as a backdrop, if you're a college student and you do have the big idea, 
and it's moving you, it's compelling you, it's driving you. And as you get counsel from your small group buddies or from your pastor or whoever you're getting guidance from, and it's like, yeah, this, this looks right, this feels right, go for it. Then how much you know doesn't matter. Who you know kind of really doesn't matter, although it's kind of nice to have a network. Um, how much money is in your bank account is completely irrelevant. I've seen people flat broke build $100 million businesses and $100 million trust fund kids mm -hmm. blow it all on a startup, right? So the money in your account isn't the thing. How many investors you gather, completely irrelevant, because I've never had an investor invest in a bit. Well, in one business they did, the one we blew up, right? But every business we were successful in, I didn't have an investor. I had to grind it out myself. So with that in mind, Scott's maybe gonna give us some practical things to think about, but I just wanna encourage people listening to go, every one of you have it in you to be an entrepreneur. You may not be displaying those traits yet, because God hasn't given you the idea yet. But even when we were talking to Chris, who's doing our AV in the background, he's like, I'm not an entrepreneur guy. Give Chris six months, give him a year and a half, and that idea will come to him and his best friend, and he'll become the entrepreneur of all entrepreneurs. They'll go start an AV company, they'll go start doing production stuff, they'll, they'll start building software for churches, none of which is in his mind today, but God could potentially plant it like that. He just has to be willing and ready for that moment. And it's a passion. And, and you talk about willing and ready. So I, I, I say this all the time, where there's a will, there's a way. And so you, know, you asked a question relating to, you know, college students or recent graduates, you know, I'm going to even pivot that a little bit more to, you know, people who have young children um, who are working in corporate America, right? Um, I think everyone's circumstances are different, which means, you know, does it mean I dive in head first? My personality is one where, you know, I, I, I go all in when I do something, I go all in. Right, um, that's me. Uh, is that always the most responsible thing to do? No. Um, there, there's times where I think you can, depending on your circumstances, you have to you know, seek God, seek seek wise counsel, and say, well, look, you know, how much time do we have in a day? Right, and there's been a lot of studies on this, and. You know, for, for those who sleep eight hours a day, God bless you. I, I, I don't know the last time I got eight hours in, in a night. I'm, I'm more of a six-hour guy. But you think about the amount of time. And if you really just take accountability for where you're spending your time, you could theoretically work a 40-hour-a-week job and still put 20 hours into a venture. And then you do that mm -hmm. until your income or your success in your passion, in your, in your venture, start to overlap or, or you know, overcompensate for the income that you're doing, you know, whether it's working your regular job or full-time job so I think that there's just so much time and we live in a society where you know, social media and scrolling and mindless activities and you know where where if we it, it comes down to a lot of discipline right and and that's again where there's a will there's a way when there's something that keeps you up at night or gets you up in the morning and that's your fire in your belly and you just can't as you've said in a previous episode you can't stop thinking about it, it consumes you um, then I feel like space will and it god will ultimately make space for it mm -hmm. and he will guide and, and you'll have that confirmation when it's time to really dive in head first so are you saying it's not easy <laughs> hey him and i both used to have afros yeah we started. the real impacts of entrepreneurship is yeah. Yeah, uh, losing at, your oh, hair no, from what I'll, i'm learning I'll look at your haircuts in a couple of years we'll see where you guys are at <laughs> so i mean but that does raise a good point it's like this is kind of like unnatural you're you know this is going to mm -hmm. cause you to do things that are go beyond your comfort zone and that's something that i think our our listeners have to, to grapple with is entrepreneur entrepreneurship is is a journey you're improving yourself and you're going to you're going to 
have to push yourself beyond what you thought maybe was capable. And that may take, you know, providing for your family and working your normal job and then working outside, yeah. spending some extra hours to try to work on that venture. Because yeah, you got, I mean, you're responsible. God's, you know, placed you in charge of your family. You're responsible for them. And, you know, maybe with education, you're responsible for completing your education. It may just take some extra work outside of that to get the job it, done. It's sacrifice, you know, Cooper. It's exactly what you're saying. It's like, you know, there, there's... Uh, one of my mentors told me a long time ago, there's these adages and these adages are adages for a reason, mm -hmm. right? And so if you want your life to be easy, do what, do what's, uh, hold on. If you want your life to be hard, do what's easy. If you want your life to be easy, do mm. what's hard, right? Mm. And so, That's you know, th there's, there's an easy path. Um, you know, it's, it's, you have to make choices that are ultimately going to align and be willing to put in the work and do what it takes. So um, there's nothing easy about being an entrepreneur, an overnight success. And, and to your point, Joe, you, you talked about, you know, not having an investor. We, we know investors and ideal nope. strategic partners. There's a television show and I can't remember the name of it, but I, I kind of got infatuated by it, but they, they I, for a little while, they, they give this one guy or it's multiple people actually, I think even Mark Cuban might have been one of them. Oh, no, it was Grant Cardone was one of them at one point. But they give them $100, mm -hmm. and they plant them in this city. When the first one was in Erie, Pennsylvania, all they have is $100. And they have, uh, I think it's three months, 90 days, to build a million-dollar business. I love it. It's incredible. They go and they start to build a team. They share their vision with people. And, and that's what taught me that once you have this confidence and this vision, you know, one of them built this barbecue, and it had music, and they had this big festival coming, and he got a million-dollar valuation awesome. in, in 90 days. So it goes to show you that, that anyone can do it, but you do have to have the, the drive, determination, um, and certain skills to bring others alongside you and, you know, and, and you know, make yeah. it happen. Yeah, you, so, go you, ahead. Mentioned, you mentioned you need to know the skills, right? So I want you to, like, think about you're a college student, college age student, what would you say to them? You know, they want to be an entrepreneur. They know they want to be an entrepreneur. What would you say to them so they can prepare well? What do they need to invest their time in? What do they need to learn? What are the practical things they practical can do? Practical skills, right? Yes. So based on what we said earlier, so let me put it this way. There's three chunks that have to come together, right, for you to be successful, I think. The entrepreneurial behavior part, trust that the Lord will activate that at the right time. You may not be displaying a lot of it today, but the two of you are displaying it because you've found your thing, right? Because you have it, it's activated. So that comes at the right moment, but that's needed. Without that, you would just be in your dorm room playing video games, right? Then there's the entrepreneurial skills. We'll talk about a couple of those now that would be important to have even as you prepare for the possibility of someday being an entrepreneur. And then really important for those of us that are Christ followers are your spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm because you're uniquely gifted with certain things. Some of us have administrative gifts. Well, I shouldn't say some of us. Some people have administrative <laughs> gifts and some of us don't, right? So if I know ahead of time I'm not gifted with administration, with a spiritual gift of administration, I need to know that so that when my startup idea comes, I'm not trying to do the books and do the finances and figure out how to make sure vendors get paid. We will fail, right? But if I have a gift of leadership or discernment or something like that, I need to know that God's wired me that way. So how will I use that in my business, right? So those three things, the entrepreneurial behavior that kicks in, the entrepreneurial skills that we're about to talk about, and your spiritual gifts all kind of coming together in this beautiful kind of mosaic 
that creates the real success. The couple of skills I'll throw out there, and then you could talk more about them. One skill you could be building ahead of time is your ability to communicate mm -hmm. and influence others. So take the classes at college on speaking and presenting and Toastmaster. anything like that that gets you off your comfort zone of talking about something. Now remember, when the entrepreneurial behavior kicks in, you'll have no fear. Believe me, you may have fear today doing a Toastmaster speech or standing up in front of a school doing a presentation, but the passion that'll come for your idea will override any fear you have. But prepping, how do I present something on a PowerPoint? How do I do some presentation skills would be a good skill to invest in early. I remember last year, this time, when I was doing the pitch, and Cooper was as well, with uh, Run Gloves, and I was so terrified. Yeah. And I was just running my presentation and running through and running through and running through. And then what I was doing, I was like, I have the gist of it down. I know the gist. Mm -hmm. and I got there, and I was like, God, please, I give this over to you. Take away my nervousness. Give me the words to say. And I went up there and I forgot it what just I, boom, it, it came just out. happened. And afterwards I was like, what did I say? <laughs> huh? And they were like, well, you did this. And then they were going down who, like what place everyone was in. They were like, second place is this person. And first place is, and they announced my name. I'm like, wait, what? What? Yeah. I you didn't sound even like sound I felt like when I, was, I did my first TED talk. Oh, wow. I have no recollection of four minutes before till after. With what I said, what happened, I was petrified. My brain was empty, even though I'd prepared like crazy. And then 18 minutes later, it was done. And people were like, oh, that was pretty good, Joe. I'm like, whatever you say, because I wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whenever that happens, I, I, and that happens often. And I, to me, I, I take that as the Holy Spirit took over. Mm -hmm. That's you know, it. like it's, I, I don't know where the words came from sometimes. I'm like, I, that idea wasn't mine, but I'm glad it worked out, right? And so one of the things you said, Joe, is, is really counter to what I think we're taught in a lot of ways, especially in, um, in our standard education system, which is you talked about, you know, what are our spiritual gifts? So I think a lot of people believe that, you know, here are my strengths, here are my weaknesses. I need to focus on my weaknesses and I need to get better at those. And that's Terrible. counter to being a successful yeah. entrepreneur. That that's not the right approach um, to being a successful entrepreneur. I, I, you foster where your gifting is, and you become great in those areas. Like, okay, if, if I'm spending time focusing on where I'm weak, then where I'm really strong, I'm not continuing to water that you know that that plant and let it grow and produce fruit. So that's going to stay stagnant while I'm becoming average. You don't want to be average, mm -hmm. right? You, you want to be great at that's something. Right. You don't have to be great at everything. So that's that's kind of counter to to what people um, what people believe. Another thing is you talked about some of the specific skills, um, listening. Mm. You know, listening and you know, Levon, who uh, Levon Kerner, um, uh, it's such an incredible man and of God, and, and also a very successful entrepreneur and business person. Um, met him through you, actually. Yeah. Um, and our last Christian Business Fellowship meeting a few weeks ago, he referenced in Luke 22, and it talks about when Jesus was in the temple. And I don't mm. remember a specific verse, but he talked about how, um, you know, the, the scripture said he listened and then asked questions. And Levon talked about how, you know, at first he was like, I think this is backwards. And yeah, I right. would have thought the same thing. Like God he himself. asked questions and listened, right. right? But he listened and then asked questions. So I think... Um, Generally speaking, successful entrepreneurs have an alpha type personality. Yes. And they they want to 
lead a conversation. They listen more so to respond than to understand. I'm guilty of this all the time. Um, I constantly have to be uh, conscious of it. And I think that, you know, that, that communication, really the, the fruit from communication comes from when people feel heard, they feel understood. Um, you know, people don't care to know until they know you care. So this comes everything from, you know, the, the people that you bring alongside you on your team to your potential customers. So just digging into that communication a little bit further is working on listening. I can't emphasize how important that is because in future episodes, when he starts unpacking for us market segmentation and understanding your customer and all that, pride has a funny way of closing our ears to what our customer is telling us. Look at Blockbuster video. I can give you example after example of when pride causes you to believe you know better than your customer. The reason Amazon is successful today and will continue to be as long as Jeff Bezos is running it is that every single meeting he runs, mm -hmm. there's an empty chair the at their boardroom table and it represents the customer. And they don't make any decisions in that meeting without consulting the fact that the customer is sitting there. They're the most customer-centric brand I know, which is why they're successful as they are, but it, it's, it's, it's a heart for listening. And they started as an online bookstore, yeah. right? And now I don't think there's many things you can't order off of Amazon. So you, you talk about the pivoting and the evolution, you know, and what something starts as, you, you don't know what, what God has planned for it. And so listening to the customer and being able to, you know, I tell that story all the time, the empty seat, and, yeah. and that's, it's so important. Um, you know, what yeah, so so far we've picked out for you guys the importance of building your communication skills. Uh, and with that is the ability to influence others. So work on, if you feel you're a pretty good communicator, you've kind of got that down. Okay, can I influence you to do something? Follow me, join me, uh, do the work, whatever it may be, because that's going to be an important skill you're going to need. Um, and then this idea of being becoming a good listener. Any other skill you can think of? Well, the only thing I would say to that is figuring out what's important to people. Like when I hire people, what are their personal goals? So and, and developing empathy developing would be empathy. another important skill you can work on now before you have your big idea. You like when you're getting someone to buy in on that show I referenced earlier where they give the $100, like these people have no money to pay the, the, the ones that are asking to come alongside them. But what they do is they sit down and they really get to know them and they understand their heart. You know, how many children do you have? What are your goals in life? And, and that, that's where there's this bond formed and, you know, you never want to be a manager, right? So, you know, what is what is servant leadership? Servant leadership is is serving those you lead. It's leading from behind. So when you really care about your people and you care about their goals, you know, you're setting up KPIs that not not only are just aligned to your, your your goals for the company, but are aligned to help them attain their personal goals. And that's when people want to work for you or with you. Um, that's when customers want to do business with you. Um, and, and I think that's where you you, you have that, you, know, you have Christ living inside you because that's, that's the heart of Christ, right? Let me flip it out on Luke real quick. So mm. Luke, you are now officially an entrepreneur. I am. So what are a couple of skills you feel you had developed beforehand or that you wish you had developed or ahead of time? Oh, this even, well, I'm going to just take a step back. I really worked on my communication skills mm. and I took a deep dive into it with my personal relationships over this past winter break mm -hmm. and just being like, how can I listen to you in a way that you need to be listened to? That has definitely been something that's been huge for be me. Very valuable and in business. I am really excited that I did the hard work and did that over this past winter break and hashed it out and I, 
I've seen areas and I've been able to grow and people have told me I've seen that you've grown in this way. But along with that, other ways that I've seen for myself with skills is I need to grow more in that empathy. Mm. I'm a lot more of like a bigger picture person. It's like I can do this and I can like sell you on this and I can convince you with my language and be like that sales guy as well if need yeah. be. But the empathy side of things is where I know that I need to personally grow on for myself. Mm. What would you say, Cooper, just from your journey that you have seen yourselves and the skills that you're in as like really been fostered and what you might need to grow on as you continue this? Yeah, I think honestly the catalyst for my growth as an entrepreneur have been the people I've met and the people that poured into me. Mm. Honestly, like the professors, Scott, like you guys have mentored me so much. And I think that's something I would recommend for so the skill students. is like the skill there is going after insight going after mentorship there's a skill to that yeah because i could admire you but never come talk to you right right i could admire my professor and go oh, they're so smart they have so much knowledge but never step up and have a conversation with them in class that hunter that says i i want to glean something from you is a skill again all of you can build ahead of wait time. outside of their office every day until they talk to you you know, yeah. send them a letter every day. I mean, that you, you hear these stories and, you know, they're funny, but they, they're, they exhibit when somewhere there's a will, there's a way, you know, if you, if you see someone that's accomplishing something you want to accomplish, like I told you, working with students, working with you, Cooper, working with other students, Luke is, it is so rewarding. And so, you know, maybe these people are waiting to mentor or for someone to knock down their door. So just being bold, that's the word, that's the key word here. Be bold mm. in, in your, in your convictions. And I would say as for our listeners who are listening, these are great skills that you can use if and when you're called to be an entrepreneur, business owner. But these are skills that will be transformational in any career. If you're going to be a nurse, if you're going to be whatever, these are the same skills that are going to advance you in your career. So they're worth investing in no matter what. But it'd be great to have that foundation for that moment when you have your aha. And your personal life, for yeah. that matter, right? I mean, yeah. in, in all areas of your life, just overall. Even yeah. something like talking on the phone with someone. Mm -hmm. That's something that I'm really sad Especially to see. Especially your a generation, lot of my peers. man. Holy Toledo. Just don't do it. I'm like, I will happily pick up the phone and call you. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to have investors, if you want to have bankers, if you want to have mentors, you got to go old school and be willing to talk on a phone. Yeah. We're, we're not really going to be responding to your text messages about becoming a mentor, which is cute, but I'm going to ignore it or sending me a LinkedIn message. But someone who picks up the phone and calls me and has a conversation with me, that's the generational difference oh, man. that some of your generation has to bridge and say, oh my gosh, I got to build the skill because all my buddies are digital only. But the people you really need to grow your business are not digital only. They're hybrid. So you got to meet us where we are. And because of technology, to piggyback on what Joe was saying, because of technology, you know, we've brought on some interns to Ideal Strategic Partners and they've done a great job in certain areas of the business. But one thing that I learned is because of, of, of cell phones and social media, there's a lot less time of interaction, a lot less communication. So effective communication, people just don't do as much talking in your generation. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's like anything, the more 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell, the more of something that you do, you know, eventually you're gonna become an expert of it. So at it, so, you know, being just intentional about having more conversations, picking up the phone instead of sending that text message, um, it, you know. I'm guilty. <laughs> you know, I got to be honest. I was surprised when both of you were willing to invest in younger people. And not because I questioned your character, but because I thought you were so busy and that wasn't a priority. 
that's something that it's something that I'm curious. Do you think this is something that is common among entrepreneurs who have been there, done that? It's epidemic. So they there is um, a desire to invest. You would say it's not just a desire, and it's not just a calling. It's it. I would say most of us feel guilty because we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just that we don't have the vehicle, or we're busy, or oh, I'll get to that tomorrow. It's hard to look for Someone it. doesn't come to you even. Exactly. Well said. Right? Where would I find this person that I yeah. want to invest in? Right. And I would say the enemy is a liar to what, right. to what you're saying about you know being too busy. Am I busy? Absolutely. Is Joe busy? Absolutely. But as you know, for you to think that we're too busy and for that to stop you, then then that's you know that's the devil being a liar. And I think I think this is common among college kids. So what would you say to a college kid who's looking for a mentor because he he has a passion for entrepreneurship? He wants to catalyze his learning. What would you say if someone what would you look for in somebody to mentor? How would they approach you? Oh, yeah. So let's think through that. Um, I mean, easy answer is a Christ follower, right? Because you can find lots of mentors who will give you lots of advice, much of which will sound like great advice, and but somewhere laced in there, 5% of it could take you down the wrong path of greed or pride or whatever it may be, right? So just kind of self-selecting into... Christ follower is a good starting point. Um, let's talk about some other traits to look for. So traits, um, I mean, find someone who's doing something that you want to do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, it's something that someone that, that what they're, whether it's their the business or their role within the business or, you know, some of the branding ideas that they have, some, someone that has something that you want. And then you, I think you also asked about kind of ways to approach them or how to approach yeah. them. Man. I, I'm just the type of person that, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to no. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, no doesn't bother me. Every no brings me closer to a yes. So it's, it's a numbers game. So there's going to be plenty of people that have that skill set or that ability. So maybe you'll reach out to somebody and then persistence, persistence. It's like when I, you're selling, that's what you're doing is you're selling that, that I'm, you should mentor me and coach me. And so you're selling that person, right? So a lot of times when I would teach someone, you know, or when I would, I would coach someone on sales, I'd be like, remember when you were a kid and you wanted a lollipop and your parents said no? It was like you didn't even hear the word no, right? Mm-hmm. It, was, it, it was, you would just, two seconds later, can I have a lollipop? I, I just told you no. Can I have a lollipop? It's this persistence. And, and I think that most, if not all, successful entrepreneurs have had to be persistent in their life. So they respect persistence. I I mean, every no brings you closer to a yes. So if it's not with that individual, um, or if that individual says, stop reaching out to me, then maybe at that point you find someone else who's in that same lane. But persistence, um, give kind of a limit of liability. You know, look, you've done things that, that I are align very closely with what I, I believe I'm called to do. Um, and I would love to be able to pick your brain. Would you mind if I buy you a coffee 15, 20 minutes? Or, you know, can I grab 15, 20 minutes of your time? And that's when, when you kind of can see if there's a synergy and connection. So that's, it would be kind of the, the, practical, the how to, the how from here's from three your... quick, uh, real quick. I just jotted down three quick things to look for in addition to obviously their fate journey. Gender, it, it helps to be with like gender if you're looking for a mentor. Uh, it avoids a lot of traps, right? So that's one. Um, industry fit, you hinted to it, but that's a good one. If you're in fashion or if you're in whatever, look for someone who's doing well in that space. Um, and then connections. Who are they connected to? Mm. Find out on LinkedIn. How are you connected to them? 
do they know Scott Moffitt so you can get an intro through Scott? Do they know one of you so you can get connected? So that there's something in that opening connection that you notice this random person that, oh, I go to your church or my dad or mom went to college with you. I just realized, whatever, right? Find a connection point. And then back to what Scott was giving in tips of how to go about it, I would say do your homework. Um, know what this person cares about. What are they writing about? What are they blogging about? What are they putting out on their social media? What are a couple of areas of passion they have so that when you reach out to them, say, hey, hey, Joe, I, I, I actually read your book. Hey, Joe, I watched your TED Talk, um, and I really enjoyed this part of it. I'd love to talk with you. That person's going to get my attention over someone who goes, hey, Joe, I noticed you're in the consulting business, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm wondering, is this person trying to sell me something? Right. Do I ignore them? But someone who's done just a teeny bit of homework to know that they see value in my time, that I can actually benefit them, tells me, then God says, go help them. What are you doing? No, no you're not watching your Liverpool game. You're going to go help this kid. Okay, I'll go help the kid. So you've seen they've done the value. They've, they've done the homework. From your perspective, when when someone approaches you, the main thing that you want to see is that they have done their homework and that they're intentional and that they value your time. Are yeah, not so other? much like oh, I'm so special. They value my time, but they've done enough homework to know that anything I can give them would be a benefit to them. Right? Like it's almost like I'm saying I I got a couple of loaves and some fish. You want it? Sure, but that's all I got. So if you recognize that I only have a couple of loaves and some fish then God can do the rest. But if you're completely clueless to who I am, then you're setting yourself up wasting your time and probably me too. Where and I would even go into personal interests, right? I mean, to figure out, because I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think w one of the things you're saying, Joe, is you know, show that, that they've done their homework, just basically that they've, they, they've taken the time and they're not just sending out you know, 50 requests and hoping and playing the numbers game, but someone who's really taken an interest. So like finding out that, you know, I played hockey my whole life and, um, you know, I saw that you played hockey. When I see something like that, that's a passion of mine. It's like my brain instantly connects with. Yeah, all I have to do is say Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I can get as much time as I want. <laughs> Listen, honestly, like anybody who says they're a Liverpool fan, they got me. They have anything I they want. I guess I like Liverpool now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but remember when you were doing your college recruiting to go be a college athlete? You could have sent 100 emails to 100 coaches and be ignored. But if you'd done that little homework on what conference they're in and what meets they've won and what openings they have of seniors getting ready to graduate with you Ooh, know, certain times, good. that coach is going to be like, okay, this kid knows us. Let's have a conversation with this kid. They may not be as fast as the one I'm trying to recruit, but they get our school. Game changer. Same thing here with mentors. So. We just went ahead and talked about some things that every entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur should know when it comes to mentors specifically. What might be some things, maybe, I don't know, three, five, if you have more, that'd be great, um, that every entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur should know before trying to start a venture. Oh, I can give you some. Um, I'll, give him, I'll give you a couple and then you give us a couple. Um, well, maybe one, maybe four. Um, this idea of a target market uh, and being the skill of doing user research. That's important to have when you start a business. Who is my target? The way I, I kind of try to say, who is the person and situation for which your business will always, or your product will always be the best choice? Describe them to me, and then go talk to them, as many of them as you can, ask them as many questions as you can, and never stop talking to them. So that's, that's a must-know, must-do, when thinking about starting a business. So let's call that target market 
and user research. Never stop doing it. Another one would be, okay, so now you know who your target is. It's runners in the Midwest in cold weather whose hands get cold, right? Okay, that's my target. I've gone and talked to a bunch of them. What's the number two thing would be knowing how to create a value proposition. What am I going to say to them? If I only have six seconds, if I only have 144 characters, what am I going to say to them to get their attention to want to buy my product? That's a skill you will develop of creating a value proposition. So being able to identify a target, being able to clearly communicate a value proposition to them that gets them to go, I may be interested. Um, Number three would be business model. How are we going to make money? Right? Like at least a general understanding of, okay, it's going to cost me three bucks to make it and I'm going to sell it for X. Now, if it's going to cost me three bucks to make it and I plan to sell it for four, I'm in deep trouble. So, but if I'm going to make it for three and sell it for nine, I'm going to build a successful business. If I'm going to make it for three and sell it for 15, we're going to change the world. So knowing that when I'm this just playing with numbers, this is where your mentors can come into play to say, what's the multiplier on my cost that I would need to just have a basic business model that works? I think that's a good one to think about early when you're when the idea comes. And then um, being data-minded. Mm-hmm. What is it going to cost me to get? I've identified the target. I know what I'm going to say to them in my value proposition. I think I've priced my product pretty well. But what is it going to cost me to get them to buy? And once they buy, how many more times will they buy? Having some, just again, you're just going to make those numbers up up front. You're going to have no idea. You're going to guess. But then as the data comes in, you're going to be refining and tweaking, going, okay, I thought it was going to cost us like three bucks to get a customer because everyone was just going to talk to everyone and with the floodgates would open. It turns out it's costing us 30 bucks to get a customer. Uh-oh, maybe we have to pivot. But if I'm not even thinking about that, I'm in trouble. So I would say the target, knowing who they are and being able to talk to them, being able to create a value proposition that you know is going to hit their hot buttons, um, having a basic business model that says we're going to make enough every time we sell the product to be successful, and then the basics of what will it cost us to get you as a customer and what will it cost us to, what will we make for keeping you a customer? Those few things... You're gonna be you're gonna be just fine. That's good, really good. I'll add a couple to them. Um, one I, I think would be, you know, kind of starting in really high level is looking at the overall market and, and the segment of the market that you're looking at. So, like, what is your total addressable market? Your TAM. Um, what is your compound annual growth rate? So, what is the industry doing year over year? Is it growing? Is it declining? Right. I mean, I'm probably not going to be going into the newspaper business anytime soon because that's a market that you know with technology and the internet is rapidly declining even if i make the best newspaper in the world i'm swimming uh you know against the tide there so I'm, i want to go into a market when i look at a compound annual growth rate of an industry or a segment you know we look for something minimally that's going to be three percent over the last 100 200 years three percent is the average inflation uh, rate i know we're a lot higher now but we, we go based on historical data and three percent is like the bare minimum of what we'll look at in the segment i think also looking at and and you talked about business model i love that because you have you know your single product sale uh, versus subscription service and the, the valuations are so much different in those um and that's kind of product related or service based so what's your potential lifetime 
value of a customer, mm -hmm. what's your customer acquisition cost, what does it cost you to get a customer. Um, one that I think is really, really important, they're all important, but the doing a SWOT analysis, a, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats of companies that are already doing this. It's going to be really, it's very rare um, that you're going to come up with something that nobody has even come close to, thought about, tried. So there's no new ideas on earth. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm hesitant to have that definitive of a statement, mm -hmm. but I mean, there's, there's very few, if any. And so, so people maybe have tried and failed. Why did they fail? Right. And so I don't need to, if I see someone go and put their hand on the stove and burn their hand, I don't need to go right behind them and do the same thing. What did they do wrong so I can avoid those pitfalls? What did they do right so I can do more of that? You know, when I look at, at competitive products in a space and we're looking at a company, the first thing I look at are the one star reviews. Right. I'm call me a Seneca. I jump right to the one star reviews. Is there a commonality of what people don't like about this product? Right. And if there is, then that's what I, that's my key. To, that's where I can differentiate. That's where I can improve. That's why people people didn't like it enough to give the product a one star review. If I can change that problem, it's almost like isolating the objection. Right. If I can change that one pro, that one issue that people seem to generally have with this product or this solution, um, I think it's a game changer. And then the last one is know your customer you know or like you had mentioned before identifying and that's so important is is knowing who that customer is but then figuring out what's important to them and you know we went through this exercise cooper when you know with uh with, with the company you're launching brand you're launching but we run surveys we do focus groups you know we have part of that competitive landscape research to really figure out okay so let's say my my target audience is uh females um 35 to 50 years old Right. And, and um, you know, household income between, you know, um, 149 and 200,000 a year. And, and so this geographic area of the country. So, you know, your, your target, your market's always going to expand. But initially having to figure out, you know, what is that path of least resistance, the low hanging fruit right away so I can generate revenue right out of the gate. I can reinvest that revenue and th that market's going to expand. But but we really want you know, as little friction as possible in the early stages. So then, you know, finding out from them, you know, doing, what, what, what did you use, Cooper? I think you used Google, Google polls. They have a poll. Google forms. Google yes. forms. And, and you got eight, 900, 900 responses from people that match your target demographic and figured out that there was one component of your product that if we, if we tweaked it a little bit, we were going to be able to capture so much more of the market. Yes. You know, it's, don't go based on what you know or you think you know. I mean, it's okay to start there, right, and to have a vision, but but really run that through. You know, pressure test that, stress test that, find out if that is is the right solution. Because I'll tell you, if you're eighty percent of the way there, ninety percent, ninety five percent of the way there, as Joe said before, that five percent can make or break your venture. So just to summarize what the two of us started are talking about, because as our listeners were listening, they probably started to hear a little technical terms and stuff, and they're like, oh my gosh, this sounds like a lot. <laughs> Let me take it back to, it goes, it, all that is stuff you're gonna pick up as you go. Yeah. You don't need to know it ahead of time. You just have to be willing to learn it when the time comes. Right. But it all sits on the back of those skills we talked about, the, the skill of empathy. Mm -hmm. If I'm empathetic towards my customer, I'm gonna go do research and blah, 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 blah right? all the fancy terms, it's just empathy being played out. If I've worked on my communication skills, I'm, I'm just gonna go display those when I'm selling and creating a value proposition and all the fancy stuff. If, if I have a heart for service or my, a heart to change my customer situation for the better, 
I'll go do the hard work. So it's all based in the biblical principles of serving others, being empathetic, do unto others as you'd you know, want done to yourself. And then on top of that is a bunch of mumbo jumbo technical terms that you just pick up as you go. So I just want to encourage our listeners to go, oh, wait, did I just figure out that I need to like learn a bunch of stuff? No. Just be ready to serve your customer. And, and we'll have the opportunity to dive in deeper to each of those topics yeah. in our coming seasons as well. Sounds yeah. good. Thank you so much, guys. This has been a great episode. I've really enjoyed talking about what it might look like and what I should dive into for starting these ventures. I know I'm going to be applying it myself and my stuff along with Cooper, along with what it might look like to find a mentor and what I should look into. But we are sadly at the end of the time for this week. Cooper, would you like to pray us out? Absolutely. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us. You thank, we thank you for the opportunities we have to work hard and to work for you. Uh, give us the... Uh, the willingness and the strength to do things for your glory. Thank you for Scott and Joe and Luke and their willingness to um, have this discussion and give us valuable insights and wisdom. Lord, you are magnificent, and we thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you all for watching the third episode of the Kingdom Commerce. We'll see you next week. If you haven't already, though, I do encourage you, go find our Instagram, Kingdom Commerce. And that is Commerce with a K. You can find our website, kingdomcommerce.media. Again, Commerce with a K. Follow us. Join our mailing list. We have more exciting stuff coming out soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.